all together. Hello and welcome to Covert Castaway. I'm Holly. Je suis Stéphane. Join us as we share what we learn and how we're making the transition to liveaboard cruising. Well, we are in Melbourne and Melbourne, Australia. Australia. Down under. Yeah. Close to the Antarctic. Well, not super close, but... Well, it feels close. <laughs> when you look at a map, yeah. yeah. But it's 31 degrees Celsius right now. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So it's warm. So we are excited because we want to give everybody an update. And also just we want to... Uh, we don't have our mic, so hopefully the audio is okay. We're just doing it straight through the computer. So we'll see how this goes. So the exciting update is our boat is in its molds. Yeah, probably. Uh, no, we signed probably like earlier. Yeah, but like a year plus from the time. Yeah. So. From the it, time we signed the contract, you mean? Yeah, yeah I don't been, remember when yeah, we signed like, it. I mean, more than a year. but A year and two months, yeah. Time flew by, and I think the next few months will fly by. So we're supposed to get it at next the end of eight months, July. Yeah. Before France goes on holiday. A little earlier than the, mm-hmm. it'll be a, a little faster than the regular baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> so it was funny because we were like, "Oh, when's the boat going to be going into the factory?" And they were like, two weeks." And two days later, they sent us pictures. So I don't know. That was the fastest two weeks. Yeah. Ever. So anyway, we're excited about that. Uh, we have also been in Melbourne for a few weeks. I've been here three or four, and uh, you joined a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, yeah. something like this. And um, yeah, so the weather's been kind of crappy, and suddenly it's like 95 degrees today and super hot. So. It's like on the weekends, it's like... It can Saturday, be nice, Sunday yeah. is last weekend was that. Saturday, Sunday is warm. Mm-hmm. This weekend is really warm, and then it goes back to more normal. Yeah. So we've been strolling around. Um, our feet hurt a little bit yesterday. Um, walking around, went to the botanical gardens, and the night before that we went downtown. But we're also excited because this week we get to hook up with the O'Kellys, who are also here. Ooh. That's exciting. So we'll get to meet them in person. Um, anyway, so let's talk a little. Yeah, never met them in person. You talked to Megan, yeah, Megan via the podcast, right? And then they this. stayed at our house in Tahoe, <laughs> which was cool. And then he crashed his drone. And then it will take us and them coming to Melbourne, Australia, to meet up. Yeah, <laughs> we literally live two states from each other. But um, okay, so. Let's talk a little bit about our um, outstanding decisions and some of the dis- discussions we've been having. Mm. So the exciting decision we made was the um, net on the... The bowsprit net. Yeah, it's really cool. It lo- it's kind of like the gunboat look, so the net actually extends out. Yeah. Yeah, it's like <laughs> super cool. But did we ever mention... Our final decision with the carbon crossbeam no. that we struggled. Yeah, because it ended up being like some crazy, like the number was already crazy and then they over $100,000 and then they came back with like a more crazy number and we're like, yeah, no, we're well, not. Well, not more crazy. It was more, if you wanted the net, yeah, that was yeah. like he was adding up some more and then because you put the net, you need the anchor to be recessed. It's, it's just snowballed. So that was adding some more. So Holly wanted the net 
I wanted the net. And so I, I guess the good news is the compression beam, which is a carbon composite, I guess. It's not Fiber fully glass, carbon. It's glass like and carbon. Glass carbon of, reinforced in some areas. Yeah, something like this. Um, it's being painted black, so that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. The, the big difference um, between the 52 and the 55 is when you get the carbon cross beam on the 55, you get a couple benefits. Obviously, you'll save weight. You'll add probably some rigidity to uh, to the front of the boat, but you have a longer bow sprit. Mm-hmm. So that benefit is that you can put more sail sail area. So for the fifty two, it's a little harder to um, uh, to kind of I guess. Uh, negotiate with yourself because yes you will still get the weight benefits you will get the the more the structural kind of uh, um, benefits too uh, although i'm sure the other one is perfectly structurally yeah, like it's fine stiff, yeah but um uh the bow sprit the regular compression beam um is basically as long as the carbon bow sprit on the 55 so it's so like there's no benefit something. to get more cell area yeah the attachment point is not as far all the way to the tip it's a little further back but um you don't get a drastic kind of uh um, increase increase yeah between the regular compression beam and the carbon cross beam so so there is that and obviously you save a lot of money a lot. A lot of a money. A lot. A lot. Of <laughs> and when you come to the end of the selection process, you've you've put you've a spent lot it of, all. You spent <laughs> a lot of stuff in the safety bucket. Yeah. <laughs> Everything keeps going into safety. And what was the car the compression the carbon uh sprit, the safety feature? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Everything started going into safety, but anyway. Yeah. So so that's for that. So now yeah. Uh, we have the option um, to uh, to add this bow sprit net. So uh, what will be really cool will be like in flat water. You can sit on the net. It's yeah, cool. you can. Yeah. You can be like you can have your little like Titanic moment. Wow. <laughs> well, hopefully not. Uh, hopefully <laughs> Why that. would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, you're thinking about the bad moment. I'm thinking about the good okay. moment. When you're like as far forward of the boat as possible, nothing in front of you. You can sit there, be close to the dolphins. Okay. So so that's that's the... That's a good part. The, the priceless uh, yeah. moment. So we're still struggling a little bit with the downwind sails um yes where are we with all that uh we're getting closer it's been um it's been really helpful to talk to north directly um but it's um it's all this is not a black and a white um you know decision and there is no there is no like I mean you're trying to optimize your sail plan and uh, unless you're like a racing boat and you have like as many sails as you want and you have a crew and you can change those all the time then you know like there is no compromise I guess but here you're trying to find an optimum solution with the least amount of sails and um, but the priority basically is we're trying to optimize downwind vmg in light air and in strong wind 
So that's that's definitely the priority. So um, and we've established that uh, we're going to go. We're not going to use a symmetrical spinnaker, uh, at least. <laughs> I don't understand because the um, they did the arc and the boat Amelia's boat um, was able to go with that spinnaker and he just went in a straight line and he got there like he was second after the um okay that that's uh, like it's like taking a big shortcut like we will need to talk to both Ultramar 55 that just crossed the did the arc and definitely we know that um on catharsis they have a symmetrical spinnaker and they have a downwind genaker and you know, I would not, for sure, they, they flew there. You can see in the straight line, and, and it looks like um, they flew the symmetrical spinnaker, of course. Um, and, and I'm not saying it's, it's bad. It has the advantage that if you're in strong winds, like, I don't know exactly, but uh, uh, then how much wind, but then you'll probably catch the waves and surf, and, and then you'll have great VMG if the waves are going in the direction of where you want to go. And uh, but if you're in lighter air, at some point it's just going to be a drag. Mm, so that solution is probably good. It seems like downwind people, uh, sorry, at night uh, for squirrels, people drop the main, put this up, and they don't worry about it. So that's that's okay. You know, from a, you know that the the sail is like strong enough. It's not you know too big. Uh, but when so when schools come, then the boat can handle it no problem. They, um, but, and maybe we'll come to that conclusion after uh, after we cross after we cross <laughs> and or you know maybe if we can maybe we'll shoot an email to uh, Emilio and and the other fifty five get the name and kind of get their feedback and um, but that's also just across the Atlantic. There is also different yeah. you know body of water and different conditions. So right now. We are still going to go with the option of not uh, going asymmetrical. So we're leaning strongly towards an A2. So the A2 is going to be a pretty big um, uh, asymmetrical spinnaker. Uh, dimension, just to give you a reference, will be about 200 square meters. Um, we should be able to keep this sail up to 20 uh, knots through wind speed. Um, so that's going to be, um, and we should probably go be able to... And that's to, the one we would just use regularly. Like uh, in regular wind, not in... Yeah, I mean, as long as it's uh, 20 and less. Um, now for comfort, um, we might, you know, not use this one. It depends on sea state and stuff, but... Basically, anything, anything that's going to be 10, 15, 18 knots, uh, probably, yeah. Uh, and then we should be able to go as low as 1, 160, 165, maybe if, you, if we put it on the up, upwind uh, bow. Mm -hmm. um, so, so what do we use in like, what do we use in like heavier wind? So, yeah, once we get to the 20 and plus... Um, so right now we're leaning towards what North call uh, Code 65, uh, which uh, is basically a downwind genaker. Um, so this one will go down from like 200 square meters. Obviously, it's a different shape, you know, but um, 200 square meters to 148 square meters. 
so quite a bit less of cell area. And but because this one, so the I didn't mention, but the A2 will be on the sock. So when we need, you know, if you get into the 20 plus and suddenly you need to bring it down, it's going to be a little bit more work. Uh, versus the um, code 65 slash downwind Jenneker, um, this one will be on a furler. So that's going to be a cell that is going to be uh, easier to to keep in 20 plus knots uh, because if we need because to... Because of the furler? Well, because of the cell area, the shape. Uh, but if we need, at least from a comfort level, um, it'll be uh, easier because if we now go into like too much wind, then we can furl it fairly, uh, fairly quickly, as opposed to go forward and, and put the sock down. And especially if you, yeah. So, so, and then the next step will be if you have um, too much speed or too much wind, I mean, you will reef the main one reef to reef, and then you will be able to sail these. So at night, it's cold. The one thing that I've been struggling with is between, so we have the stay sail in Genoa. So the Genoa, will be able to sell it all the way down to 90 degree true wind angle. But once we pass that 90 degrees, um, it's not going to be, you know, the, this, the speed is going to go down, the performance is going to go down. And, uh, and then how, so the gap between our Genoa, so from 90 degree true wind angle to, um, you know, the code 65 or the A2, there is, there will be a gap. And so, it looks like the code 65 might be versatile enough that um, in light air, uh, we might be able to um, to sell it as high as 95 true wind angle. So it'll basically complement um, the Genoa uh, being on the 90 degrees. Um, so that should bring, enough, bring us up like to about 50 apparent wind angle. Um, so in light air, uh, we should be able to, to do that. So right now, uh, we're leaning towards just two downwind cells, code 65 and an A2. And um, Good, because their cells are ridiculous. Right. What? They're expensive. No, no, no. Not those cells. Not the downwind cells. No? The, um, uh, well, it depends what material you pick, of course. Um, but the, uh, the, uh, the flat cells... Um, sure, between the main, the Genoa, those are big sales, and the, uh, and the uh, stay sale. And we have them in a 3DI, so it's really like high-tech, I mean, of, of sale making on a mold. And, you know, we, we talked about visiting the factory. It's rather impressive. So that's really like the highest quality sale design. So you pay premium for that, but uh, we feel good with the ocean material. That they will be able to uh, will be able to uh, uh, they'll be able to last longer, and um, and but the downwind cells are more standard materials, and so um, the pricing I've seen is more equivalent to okay. uh, to other sail makers. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. So that's that's where we are at today. Uh, this is the on the sails. Yeah. yeah so there's the two other sales. things. There's the um, the reefing hooks. Yeah. So we have decided to go with the reefing hooks for, for the main, for the different reefs. Um, if you're not familiar with that, you can Google like reefing hooks. There are some, for example, from Carver. Um, yeah, so what's the general principle? The general principle um, is, well, there are a couple benefits, but usually you have a line 
and it's attached uh, on the boom. It goes up to the clue, to the riff one, two, and three, and then it goes back down, and then it goes all the way through the boom and, and back to the cockpit, and then you can you can lower your main halyard, then take the reefs and, and then the retighten the tension on the, the halyard. So, so that's the general principle. Those lines, they tend to, obviously, they're up there in the air all, the whole time. And those are big lines. So they are like moving back and forth. And, and so we want to prevent any kind of uh, chafing uh, on the, on the no, nice <laughs> flat sails. Uh, of course, you can add the protection on the sail to prevent that. And uh, so that's a good so what are the So what do the hooks do? Um, so, oh, well, basically, instead of like having a line that brings the clue on reef ones, for example, close to the boom, you have a, a hook uh, with two lines, one to hook it up through the, uh, through the, the, the clue. So you'll have a, a, a loop there. And so there will be basically a small dynamo line that you uh, have to set it properly prior to, you know, do some testing. But once it's done properly, then we should be able to uh, lower the mainsail, use that line to hook it into that loop uh, that is attached to the clue. And another advantage, it's uh, there won't be any compression through the beam and it'll be a very simple setup once it's been uh, tested. And, yeah. and then, so. so I just want to give my two cents on this. So I couldn't really understand what the benefit was uh, other than chafing and the, the potential for that. Um, but I think what you had said, too, is based on some people you talk to. It also helps with that, <laughs> that yeah. weird sound that like constantly goes on. Which is a huge benefit because that drives me crazy. That's true. That was your decision. Yeah, that was my like, oh, okay, I'll do, I'll go for that. I was I talking think, to Oli for weeks and one day I said, oh yeah, that would also help with those like noises. Yeah. You, and I was like, oh, okay, leave. that's fine. <laughs> um, but, but I guess the thing is, is that you have to really fiddle with it to get it right yeah. because, and you have to have the patience to do that when you set, set it up. Mm. So it's one of those things where, you have to go in eyes wide open and know you're going to spend time getting that right. Once it's, it's, and it might take, you know, the first few months or whatever. Um, otherwise you're going up there and you're trying to manually fix it and no one wants to go and do that. So I think that, I think that's the thing is if you have the patience and you want to get it right, it's actually ends up being simpler long-term mm-hmm. better for the boat and less noise. If you don't have the patience to fiddle with it and get it right, mm-hmm. then it may never work. Yeah. So if that's the if you're that's not the a tinkerer. Idea. Yeah. So <laughs> forget about it. So I'm pretty confident you're a tinkerer. So <laughs> you better get that right. I know so that <laughs> I need to make sure those hooks hook really work when it's going to be like yeah 25 30 knots of wind and we need to reef it better hook. Yeah, otherwise. because I now know how to do my own reefs and I don't want to like deal with all that yeah. crap. So. Yeah, so that's kind of the thing. I think we're also trying to understand. Um, I think it's like any boat option. There is never like 100% positive. It's I always know, trade-offs. But it's just so funny because like one of our principles is simple, you know, and then, and this will be simple once it's set up. It's just not yeah. simple to get it started. So I'm having a hard time with that. But anyway, having less noise is good. And the good thing what it'll do is we'll have plenty of reefing practice because we'll want to check those. Oh, my those. God. So yeah, that's it'll, true. It'll, be a, it'll be good for you. <laughs> okay. And then I think there's another decision on the, what is it, the furling drum or the... 
rigid drum or whatever. So, yeah, another option that I've been looking at is um, instead of having those clunky aluminum furlers that we've all seen or used to see, uh, you have, and it comes from the, the racing world, but it's now being adopted on the you know, performance side for, you know, for performance boats, um, it's, it's to replace this with a structural head stay. And so the, the aluminum furlers is just when you look at it, it just, it just looks like old technology that works. Wait, so is this a performance thing or a vanity thing? Like, how would you describe it? No, it's <laughs> at first it's like, you know, when you look at mechanical things and, and you're like, hmm, this thing is clunky. Mm. And I'm looking at every time, you know, you, you, you put a Genoa on that, it's a big sail, you go upwind, you have like strong apparent wind, and then you go look along the line of the, the aluminum furler and you see the bend and you're like, ooh, and then where it attaches, it somehow has to unbend. Mm. And then you look at this and you're like, oh man, this just doesn't look good. It kind of, you're waiting for oh, it to so you're to not break. confident in it. Okay. Yeah. So, so this one, so describe for people who maybe have never seen one, what, what does it do? It's basically a big aluminum tube and, uh, and at the bottom you have a, a furler. So the cell wraps around this aluminum tube. The advantage of it is if you if you want to furl it a little bit, you can take like a couple turns or more. Like on, on a previous boat, we had reefing points. So you had like a little red dot and you could do reef one, reef two, and you know. So so the sail shape is not great, but you can furl, you can reef your, your head sail. When you use a structural um, head stay, it's all or nothing. So Which then, doesn't sound like a benefit to me. <laughs> so, like I said, there is it's all trade-offs. So, the you just unfurl it. Uh, the nice thing with the structural head stay is just um, is just like one basically dynamo picture dynamo line, like super super strong, and because it's it's also holding. Uh, that's why it's called the structural head stay. It's also holding the mast. But you can furl your, your sail around this. So there is, it's, it's lighter. So you want the weight high up to be as little as possible. And that's why we, we, we went with a carbon mast. And that's why we're going with those high-tech sails. And so, but then we have this clunky old design stuff. And, um, and so, so anyway, that's the disadvantage. Well, there's two. One is the price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and two is the um, well, maybe three. Uh, two is the um, uh, the fact that it's all or nothing. You unfurl it or you furl it. There is no reefing your genoa. And and three uh, because it's uh, it's a high tech line basically. So preventively, you have to replace it every so often. But you don't have to take the mass down. So you basically get get a new line that goes between the furler and the attachment of the mast and then um, and then you uh, you replace that and uh, just like any textile you know like the shrouds or anything you have to do preventive the dynamo loops you have to do preventive maintenance so on the performance side well it's lighter it's obviously the airflow instead of having this bigger aluminum tube that you know it's just going to um, uh, to have a better entry for the wind around the sail but 
it looks more like uh, more modern to me, like, you know, evolution of that, mm-hmm. major evolution. Yeah. So, but it's also, like I said, the price point is not cheap. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll have to make a decision on that. Mm-hmm. Any other things outstanding, like big decisions? Not big, but sort of still hovering over us because there's a zillion tiny decisions. I guess while you're looking... Um, well, there's the art that we have to... I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah. So now, so so we're sitting here wondering if we... So we like our logo um, to put on the bow of the boat, kind of like we did before. It's just that this boat's a little more sleek and... A lot more sleek. A lot more sleek <laughs> um, than the Fountain Peugeot. So we're trying to understand if like it matches the new boat, but... I think it can, because um, we tried sort of fooling around on Canva with some other things, and it just—I don't know. I think we—I I don't know. We—I think we both really like the name, and we really like the the artwork we did originally. So we're trying to make that work. If anybody has any opinions, uh, that'd be awesome. Um, but one of the things I was thinking about today was doing maybe we did our decal and kind of a. Um, what was it? it? It's sort of like a, a transition from like dark gray to lighter gray. So it had this kind of, um, yeah, it wasn't like a solid color. Um, so I was thinking of maybe doing a decal that was a little more not full on silver, but they do have them that are kind of metallic and that might look cool. Um, so I don't know. That's what I'm, that's what we're kind of thinking about. I just feel like I'm so attached to the other logo that I like it and I think they took it off the old boat the new owners so it doesn't really exist anywhere oh so, even if it existed yeah I mean it's not like yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and then well we yeah. were also leaning towards uh, I don't know fuchsia colors yeah uh, color because the because of the spinnaker would be super bright pink and I don't know not in the existing logo like if we were just going to do something else um, yeah, so I don't know. I'd, I'd love to get people's thoughts on it. And maybe in Instagram, we'll post a couple options we have and people can mm-hmm. tell us if we're crazy. I don't know. It's hard for me. I, it's hard for me because I don't have any perspective because I, now I've grown attached to the logo and I'm trying to understand if it fits the boat. Um, I think it does if it's like in a sporty, sportier color or something. I don't know. What else? What other decisions? Um, no, I mean we've made all the made well yeah. besides what we just talked about, and and I and I think I, I was also uh, saying structural structural headstay, but the terminology is structural furling headstay. Mm-hmm. So if you Google Google that, yeah. not, not structural headstay. Yeah. Um, the no, those are the uh, the major decisions mm-hmm. we still have to make. Um, yeah, and it's been it's been cool. Um, we had the, met someone the, through through Outremer Week, um, a, a listener, Neil, and he lives just, what, like an hour down the road from us. So we rented a car and we, we they, uh, Neil and Kate let us stay at their house and they took us on a little boat ride. It was really awesome. And Neil and Kate are getting a 55 mm-hmm. uh, about the same time that we're getting the 52 and he's really into sailing and has racing. been racing, and so you guys have been able to compare notes and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun when I always love that part of the 
cruising lifestyle is you meet people somewhere in the world, like so we met like in Lagon Mart, yeah. <laughs> and then you know for some reason we're back, we're here in Melbourne, yeah, and we're it's really meeting, cool. yeah, and then and then we'll meet again, and and I'm sure we'll spend quite a bit of time uh, in Lagon Mart uh, because yeah, Together, they're getting their yeah. boat um, a month before. This is so cool us. to to know that there's people all over the world, and and you know you only met them because of the boats boating. And um, you actually have so much in common. Mm-hmm. And then we later went to a dinner party and we realized, okay, we didn't have as much in common with, you know, these other people we knew. Yeah. Um, just because they're not through boating. It's just a different context. So, different yeah. topics of interest. Yeah, and, yeah. and then uh, through the Sauna 47 group also, so we know uh, Phil. And then, uh, so and Cecilia, yeah, yeah, and they're so, here in Melbourne, yeah. So, so we're going to meet uh, next weekend. So that's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, we and and then we realize like during our cruising in the Med, we've met quite a few Australian, a lot probably. of Australians yeah. actually, yeah. It's so crazy. some from here, some from Perth. Uh, I don't know, maybe some from Sydney. I'm not sure. Yeah. So yeah, big big cruising community. community. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Uh, well, that's the update from Melbourne. Um, and we'll be here for another couple of weeks, like I said. And then we fly back for the holidays, which should be fun. And we also were able to see the boat, um, hole number one, just got it, just became a boat because the deck got put on um, yeah. this past week. So it's really cool to see our boat like an earlier like the first version of our boat hole number one hole yeah. number one and um i think the thing and, that, and the, then also big relief because you have so obviously you have the hull and it's a big boat and then you have the deck the deck mold and it's different piece. molds yeah and when you we saw it last summer like and and that's humongous and you're like hmm is it gonna Fit. Yeah, and somehow, like <laughs> uh, you know, you have to put those two pieces together, and there are so many intricate parts with the stair steps, the shape of the hole, this and that, and everything has to fit perfectly. And it looks like it was a success. Yeah. Uh, thanks to, I guess, all new technologies and computers and stuff. But yeah. still, you know, you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. So um, we're all kind of crossing our fingers because it would have, it would just, just, just caused a big pile up, right? Yeah. So I imagine Tomer was probably yeah. <laughs> the engineers <laughs> in the design office the who were like, oh, and the people who build the mold <laughs> and everything. Like, you know, yeah. if it doesn't fit, like, yeah. who's to blame? But yeah, yeah so success. So, so that's good. Yep, so uh, exciting times. We're getting started and the countdown has begun. Uh, we'll also be posting weekly photos as the boat kind of comes along on Instagram and Facebook, so follow us there. And if you have any comments or give us any feedback on the artwork situation or anything else, you can send us an email at sailingamwent at gmail.com. Fair winds for now. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. Ah!